Hello and thank you for downloading another episode of Simon Mayo's Books of the Year. Thank you very much for downloading it, even though really it probably just automatically appears on your phone, so, you know. Yes, well, that's true, but it, it's nice to, to start the, the podcast by being welcoming and friendly. And, and thanking people, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and don't forget to tell your friends. Yes, please do. And don't forget to review us on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really help. None less than five. We don't accept less than five. Yeah, that's true. But tell your friends to subscribe, because that's the thing. Don't just... Yes. I mean, it's, I mean we're grateful for everything. And also, <laughs> we're grateful to W.H. Smith for their Yes, support. we are. We should, we should start mentioning them uh, sort of earlier on in our intro, really, shouldn't we? So, hello, W.H. Smith, and keep on going with the stickers. Yeah, get those stickers on. Yeah, all those managers in those shops... Get we, the stickers on. Yeah, we like you very much and all the other staff underneath the manager. Yes. But we yes. just like more stickers. Yeah, and less chocolate. You could go in and say, I demand my sticker. Yeah, I, I'm sure the staff will respond very well to people <laughs> demanding a sticker I'd on like their book. like a free sticker, please. Yeah. Uh, yes, anyway, so we're very grateful. Thank you very much indeed. Gary Barlow uh, is on the way uh, talking about his new book. By the way, I should say the... Um, uh, the Robbie Williams uh, book reveal, which was in our first podcast, yes. that pod is still available. Yes, it is by its very nature. So if you uh, if there's anything that you hear uh, today, you think oh, I'd quite like to hear uh, a sort of compare and contrast. You yes. can listen to them both. Yeah. Now you can email the show. You can get in touch because uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, email uh, books of the year at yahoo.com. You can tweet us at books of the year. Uh, Jane Fryer. Matt and Simon, I continue to very much enjoy your Books of the Year podcast. I still listen to each one at least twice. At least twice? Wow. And so look forward to seeing a notification that a new one is available. And that has just happened. A Graham Norton special to listen to after work. Hurrah. I'm a big fan of his and loved Holding, which was his uh, first novel. So very much looking forward to reading A Keeper. Your podcasts are a delight to listen to. Yes, please. And a lovely reminder of those different times I miss so much, whatever mm. that's a yes. reference to. <laughs> I think Jane is referring to the 1930s. I'm, I'm sure she is. I'm sure that she kind is. Of inter, that kind of interwar period. And it would be great if everyone could listen twice and certainly subscribe and download twice. That would, that would, that would help us out enormously. Yeah, uh, that'd be very good. Yes. Uh, Memphis Flash tweeted when we, we uh, tweeted a picture of us all with, uh, with Graham Norton when he came in. Uh, and Memphis Flash thought it was David Jason. Time to shear the fur, Graham, says Memphis Flash. Really? By the way, in that, that photograph which we, which we posted, I had just banged my head on the speaker. There's a you big had, speaker yeah. behind my head. And uh -huh. I think you'd said, or Graham Norton said, mind your head on the speaker. At and which point? I, I banged my head on the speaker. <laughs> Uh, Annie J, after listening to Books of the Year, I'm so looking forward to reading A Keeper. I remember rural Ireland, and we would get water from a well. Honestly, no running water really? uh, in our house. Goodness. Wow, that's a long um, Fee also tweeted to say, great review and interview, and kudos to you, Alex Limkin. Your poem was absolutely sublime. It really was. Graham loved it as well. Yeah, that was the poem that we read out uh, on the last pod. Uh, oh, and Linda Laplante get involved. Who was she was on with uh, with Robbie Williams? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this, Graham Norton. You're terrific. Anyway, then Graham saying, "Yeah, and you're terrific <laughs> no, too." You're terrific. No, I'm was, terrific. No, I think you should read out this next. Oh, one. yes. So this is from Cristina Alcoba, who says, "Graham, necesito ver tus entrevistas para vivir, sí, para vivir, porque me hacen reír como nada en este mundo." Which translates as, "Graham, I need to see your interviews to live." Yes to live because they make me smile and laugh like nothing else in this world. So, because you, because you did Spanish, so you I speak did. fluent yes, Spanish. So I do. That's uh, our first Spanish. Although for some reason, though, when I was speaking English, I was doing it with a Spanish accent as well, sort of Speedy Gonzalez accent. Yeah, a bit unnecessary. Speedy Gonzalez. That's a topical <laughs> reference for all you kids. <laughs> 
Was that Pat Boone who did Speedy Gun? No, Speedy Gonzales, the cartoon character. No, I'm thinking the song. Oh, better hurry nah, up. La, 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 la. Do you not know that one? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably can't play it, though. No, I don't of, think we uh, have the rights. No, but well, we could do that at the opening bar. That was actually. Okay. It was Pat Boone. There you Pat go. Boone. Thank you very much. It's a weird song, that one is. Uh, Anne Griffin, thank you very much, Books of the Year, for this great mention. Couldn't agree more with Graham and his other recommendations, especially Mary Lawson, terrific writer and so wise when it comes to getting published when you've come rather late uh, to the party. And we've got an email from Darlena Durr, who says, Greetings from Down Under in Auckland in New Zealand. I am loving hearing the two of you talk about books again. and Love have, it. Loving it. And have given you a five-star five star. Uh, review on my fruit-based device. Still not funny. I found the conversation with Mark Kermode a little surreal as my podcast streams collided. Was it even possible for Matt and Mark to be in the same room together without Simon disappearing into a time paradox? That's what I did think. It that. was weird. It was so much fun, though. Uh, Anyway, I wanted to recommend a book that I've recently loved. It's called The Language of Kindness by Christy Watson. It's a memoir, I suppose, looking back over Christy's training and experiences as a nurse in the UK. I'm not a nurse myself, but I've heard that nurses have found the voice very authentic. Uh, Christy is also a great writer, so the book reads beautifully, as well as being biographical. I'd love to hear her being interviewed. It's my turn to host Book Club next week. We've been running one for 22 years. 22 years, and I'm putting in Transcription by Kate Atkinson, which, of course, is one of our previous yeah, authors. Recently, yeah, Matt's still up there. Yeah, uh, Normal People by Sally Rooney and Calypso by David Sedaris. I'm a big fan of David Sedaris. Uh, I've read the last two, and I love them too. Uh, keep up the good work. Darling, thank you. So just a reminder that the, the, the shows that you're referring to, the Kate Atkinson show, is obviously there for you to listen to uh, as well. And if anyone missed the Mark Kermode one, who's on with Alan Johnson, yes. former uh, Labour politician, and they both, we have a great old rock and roll conversation. It's a music special, that one, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, so you can get in touch with the show. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the email is booksoftheyear at yahoo.com. You can tweet us at Books of the Year. Standing by for our big guest. So we're delighted to welcome Gary Barlow into our studio. Uh, his book is A Better Me. How are you doing, Gary? I'm very good. How are you? It's been a number of years. It's. A, I think it's four is that is that right? You I came in so. and played some stuff. Yeah, we did a little um, a little interview on your show, yes. and we did a I think we did two or three acoustic songs. And uh, I think you showed promise. By that, the way. Uh, that, thank that you. That's good of you. Do you yeah. know what? I feel good now. <laughs> thank you. So the book is a better me. Just explain why it's called. It's a very you know it's quite a striking title. So ex explain why it's called that. Well, I think to to sort of. Uh, Put it in a nutshell. Um, it it, all, it follows a journey that starts in 2003, which I wasn't at a great place in my life. Um, I didn't have um, a record deal at the time. I wasn't making music. I hadn't been making music for a few years. I'd put on a lot of weight. I was suffering with a lot of depression. And it starts there. And it basically charters the climb back to where we are today. Um, and all the changes and the things I've discovered over that time and the things I've learnt and the people around me. And it's it's basically that journey. And why, why did you decide to write it? Because there are many episodes, and you've alluded to, to the opening of the book, which is pretty painful. Yeah, I think there was a couple of reasons. Um, next year is a, a significant year for my band, Take That. Uh, we started in, or met in 1989, so it's our 30th anniversary next year. Um, so it felt to me like if I was going to write something, it's probably a good time to sort of close the chapter off. And a, a lot has happened in the last 20 years. Um, so the, there was that. And then there was just the importance of putting down what had happened. Um, 
you know, I, I, I always approached this book like it was the book I needed to read in 2003. If I'd have just read something like this, it would have helped me so much. In what way? Um, just just putting a, a bit of perspective on everything. And listen, this, this book could have been given to me at that time and I probably would have ignored all of it. I was in, definitely in a different frame of mind. Um, but I felt like I was on my own going through it all. I felt there was no-one else in the world that could be going through this right now, when, of course, we all know there is for lots and lots of people. Um, but, um, you know, I, I basically was holed up in my house in Cheshire trying to work all this out, and it took me years. And there was points where I'd realised, especially with the, all the weight issues I had, I'd actually been on a diet for nine years, which for anyone who diets knows that diets are depressing, horrible things. And I just thought one day, this has to change. I, I'm just so unhappy being like this. And so then we go on this journey of yeah. discovery and finally try and make sense of it all. You have a very arresting phrase. You talk about you, that you were eating the pop star to death. And then you talk about fat day, something yep. which you've come to... That's how it's referred to in your house as fat day. Can you just explain what that was? Yeah, well, basically, the, the so I, I sort of... Finished my first career in about 1999, and um, you know the the problem with being an artist when you're big is that when you you lose it all, that people just seem to love that. You know, especially the media, it's like from they love the highs and the lows. Um, so it was definitely a really horrible time to just be around, being in coffee shops, going down the street, people would shout. I just I just hated being recognised, and so. I thought I was being really clever that every time I put half a stone on, less people would recognise me until the point where I was completely unrecognisable and everyone left me alone and I thought, isn't this great? Until I looked in the mirror on fat day, which is I always called the, the day when everything in my mind sort of, the, the, the switch went up, where I thought, actually, this isn't me. I don't like feeling and looking like this. I need to change things. And, and just just to say this... I've got lots of friends who are big guys. They're so comfortable with it all. It just wasn't for me. It didn't feel right. I wasn't happy. I wanted to change it. No. it what's interesting from this book is, and the reason why I liked it, is it, it needs to tick, every book like this needs to tick just one box, and that one box is honesty. Yeah. And you're obviously very honest through this about your, your struggles with food and, and with diets. I want to ask you about your sort of... It felt to me that this sort of desperation of these different diets you would go to. So you would read one book, you would talk to one person, and they would say, oh, you want to try this, you want to try the Paleolithic diet or, or the 5 and 2 or whatever, whatever diet it was. And it, it, it struck me through it that you were, that you were constantly searching for this, this one answer this one thing that was going to unlock everything and then suddenly Gary Barlow's life was going to be fine as soon as that one diet had been unlocked. Was that, was that how, you, how you felt through those very, very dark times? The, di the diets were everything. It was like almost one, once I got a book, I couldn't not go in a corner and read it because I was waiting for, like, you know, give me the silver bullet, give me, give, what is it, what is it, what's this book going to deliver me that the other 12 didn't? Um, and I'd often read them. Um, I was sleeping very badly at the time, so I'd always have periods in the night between sort of 2 and 4 a.m. where I'd go downstairs and I'd just devour these books and wake up full of hope the next day that this is the day, mm. when this is it, everyone, you know, and then all of a sudden you realise 
uh, it doesn't work like the others. So um, it's it's very frustrating. And the thing that frustrates me actually at this point is, is that we still look in in our various news that we read, and you will read one day, you know, do sixty sit ups, you're going to lose ten stone. And then the following day, you read the same page, and it says, don't do sit ups, it's bad for your back and your health. And you go. How are people meant to decipher this? It, it's still, even though we have these amazing forums now with experts on them talking to us all day long, you still have the same questions coming up. People are still really confused about this whole world and, and how to crack that. And, and, and it is a massive problem. And, and, and I feel sorry for everyone because, yes, I found my way through it somehow, but it was bloody hard. It, it took massive amounts of time and research, which most people don't have. Um, and it's frustrating to see it. And I feel sorry for people. Um, do you wish you'd... And would it have been possible to get to that point sooner? Or did you have to get to 17 stone with all the associated issues before you thought, hang on, I need to change? Yeah, I think it's clear to say, I need to say that it wasn't just food. This wasn't. This 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 was a build-up of a, of a lot of things and things which aren't usual to most people, like the whole celebrity thing is an unusual thing. It does unusual things to your mind. So I, I understood that that I was in, because I hid it so well, the, 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 the depression that went on for a few years was never dealt with. So it was kind of, it was my own sort of kit bag that dragged me out of that. And actually one of the things that made me come out of that whole horrible circle of depression was actually exercise. It's one of the things that really kicked me back into another way of thinking. Um, but but I believe beyond the food, the, the true thing that, kind of made all the dots link up for me was when I started on all the mental stuff, uh, the sort of checking out of life for an hour each day and the meditation and just finding time to myself, almost arranging pockets of my life where you just get time to think and, and straighten out the, the things that go on in our lives. So presumably that's what you're alluding to when you say in your book, the day you join Take That, someone pressed the stop button on my personal growth. Well, I, I came. I definitely came out of the band still mentally nineteen years old. I felt. I felt like I, I, I'd learned a lot in those years, but the learning was kind of like how to travel, um, how where which bars to go to when you're in Berlin, uh, what the best hotel was in Sydney. <coughs> that was my knowledge. You know, it was like what the best record shop is when you're in LA. I mean, that that was all I learnt and. And basically, how to get out there and be screamed at every night. I mean, it was not really an educational period for us, and we had a great time. We had a laugh and all those things. Um, but when you come out of the other side of that, looking for some sort of like sanity as a twenty-six-year-old, you go, "What did I? What? what where, where did all the learning go?" And it was like it was almost like starting again. Really, it was a strange experience. The first of our uh, books of the year podcast was with Linda LaPlante and Robbie Williams and uh, we had a very entertaining chat with Robbie and you address all the issues with Robbie uh, in in the book and there's a there's I enjoyed reading the section very much where you're sitting and you know you're talking things through and you come to that you keep on saying I was an idiot yeah he says no I was an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah that went on for about half an hour that no I was bigger no 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 no, no. I was bigger no no it's definitely me yeah yeah but you kind of address that you but you're kind of addressing Robbie's uh, anger. I wonder if that was was that quite not just that moment cathartic, but actually putting it down 
and put and you you and you say, look, this is just my side of it. And you make that very clear. But yeah. I wonder if that was quite cathartic as well. I, f- I think anyone who writes any kind of diary or th- there's definitely a, a amazing release when you get this stuff down. And to, to, for me, a lot of the a, a, there was a few chapters which took two or three writes to really remember them the way they happened. Um, but definitely things like, you know, m- m- me and Robbie's rivalry went on for far too long, way, way beyond its, 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 its lifespan, really. And um, so putting that to bed, I, like I feel in this book, has been a lovely thing to do. I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that there's some very painful stuff uh, in here, none more so than when you lost Poppy, yeah. uh, your daughter who was stillborn. And, uh, and you say that this chapter has been in and out of the book. Yeah. So I wonder what that, how close we came. For, you, you quite legitimately say, actually, I don't want to put this in. You know, did you, was that a long conversation with with Dawn, with your other half? I mean, how did that go? Yeah, I think uh, the I think when you write in books like this, the one thing I started with was I didn't want it to be like a gossip book. I didn't want it to be, and then he said, and then she said, and I, and I just couldn't bear the idea of friends and people calling me going, why have you put that in there? I didn't want that mm. at all. So I really made it from my perspective until we came to this chapter. Um, and of course, my you know, I've got my wife's unbelievably private. Why the hell she married me? I've no <laughs> idea because our life is not private at all. Um, and it was a very long conversation of do we do this? Don't we do it? And I, and I think that that you know, when when you're the author, you you have to respect everybody else. And this was something that happened to the two of us, not just to me. And I needed to have her say so to do it and and I think the one thing that tipped her over was the idea that it could help other people I think that was her decision made when she heard of all the good it could do about talking about things like this I think as well I, listen there are very uh, moving episodes in this chapter when you talk about Poppy when you talk about your dad mm. as well I do want to ask you about some of the the, the, the brighter parts there I love the story about uh, the Jubilee concert and what the Queen asked for at the Jubilee concert. Just, just remind us, or for those who haven't read, what were the only two things she was interested in coming out of that concert? Well, my meetings were often between three and four minutes with the <laughs> Queen. Uh, and uh, the, the one day, obviously, I had to say, well, what do you want? And she said, I only want two things. Don't make it too long and get me Cliff Richard. Boom. <laughs> so she didn't say... <laughs> And back for good. <laughs> yes. No. Finish with that. No. Shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Gary Barlow. His book is A Bed of Me and uh, more in just a moment. Uh, this is Books of the Year. Uh, Matt Williams is here. Gary Barlow is here. Gary's the one who's written the book. Matt hasn't written the book Not just yet. yet. No. Gary Barlow's book is better than me. And I just <laughs> asked Gary if he could read something from the book. So the deal is you're just going to open it anywhere. Open it anywhere. OK. Here we go. All right, let's... Oh, hang on, I've opened it a chapter here. Ah, here we go. Here's a good one. Chapter nine. Now, I've done this, by the way. I've done an audio book. OK, so people yeah. want the whole thing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and that was unusual. Have you done an audio book? I, I haven't done an audio book. Yeah, no. it's a weird thing. I can't because mine because mine are novels, and then I would have to do different voices and right. accents, and I can't do that. Whereas all all you need is your voice. Well, the thing is, the publishers asked me to do it, and I said, no, 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 I, I don't want to sit in in a dark room for three days doing this. I can't bear it. But they sent me three actors doing my, my okay. 
I was like, oh God, I've got to do this because it was you so can't. bad. Nobody would want, <laughs> nobody so want the Gary really Barlow's memoir so written by, read by someone else. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, I, I did it at home. I've recorded myself, it took me seven days. On your phone? Not on my phone. No, not on your phone. They should, they should got no. Robbie to do it. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be funny. Do you want me to read? Yeah, just, uh, just, just a paragraph or something. Okay. Yeah. Chapter nine, two elephants. And then there's always a little bit of lyric here. And in their houses there will be pictures like the ones of you and me. I'm not going to ask you to name no. the song it's go from, because I can only just remember that one. OK, here we go. The circus was just a magic moment in time. This is a band that couldn't get any bigger. Everyone has their 15 minutes of fame. True, true fame. And we knew we were at our peak. We were good. We were on it. We'd got it back. Let's go for it. Every detail of that show was obsessed over. We left nothing to chance. We were celebrating all this, loving it. You take none of it for granted when you come back like this. This time, you remember to say thank you to everyone. Gary Barlow with... And if you want more, you have to get the entire <laughs> audiobook, which there's he a has lot more. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Nine Is it in hours. That voice? Do you do that voice all the way through? Good for you. So. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite bits... Uh, in it, Gary, and it's just like a little snapshot into what it must be like being in your house, right? Is you you talk about walking into the kitchen, uh, and you're and you just typically <laughs> are very up, and the kids are uh, the kid the kids are there, and you moonwalk into the kitchen and go, "Hi, kids!" And it's just their complete embarrassment yeah. is a joy to behold every day. It's a, it's a daily event. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, they all and, and our our sixteen year old is the most cutting as well. It's like we you don't have to do this. We notice you. You know you do, you don't have to make this song and dance. I'm like I'm a singer songwriter. So we get it. But just come in normal and say hello. Good morning. It's like when you have that big shiny jacket with the big G oh, on the back, which I wear every morning for breakfast. By the way, Obviously. yeah. Hi kids, Dad's here. So is that is that? I mean, obviously that's part of. The way you are, but you're, you, you know, you talk in the book about the joy of being in demand, mm -hmm. and I, I, and that sounds like it's a drug, you know. And when when you've been in demand, it's kind of tough when you're not. Absolutely. Are you kind of more accepting now? I mean, I have to say, as we're talking here, there's a big crowd of kids outside waiting. Actually, not kids, you know, they're grown ups yeah. uh, with their kids, you know. And so you are clearly in demand, but do you think when the next stage of your life happens, and if you do an interview and there's a couple of people outside, are you, will you be more okay with that? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about this and not sound completely shallow. Well, so sound as shallow as you like. Um, but, you know, it, it was... I tell you what it was, you know, the, the, the first time it happened, I started, I got, did my first gig when I was 11. So by the time I joined the band at 19, I'd done thousands of gigs, walked on stages thousands of times. So it was just like, this was always going to happen to me. It was like everything I sort of went for and aimed for, achieved it. And then we're big in Spain and now we're big in Japan. And, and it was just like, it just all happens. And, and doesn't life just continue like this? And then of the day it didn't mm. continue like this, then you fall off this cliff. It's like, is that it? I'm 26. I, don't, I haven't got any other skills. 
Nobody now wants me to do music again. What do you do for the rest of your life? It seems like a long life ahead. And, and that was what was kind of like the puzzle of it all for me. Um, I don't know about the demand thing. I, I, I always, you know, when I see friends after gigs and stuff, they're always like, you're incredibly relaxed considering you've just played to a stadium full of people. I'm not sure how much of it stays with me that, you know, I do go on and I've got a show to do and you sing and do your best, but then when you come off, you you, you don't still feel like an hour later I'm I'm amazing and come on, everyone, applaud me. There is a reality to it all and I think family helps. You know, the thing you talked about coming in the kitchen, that, that, that's, that's real life. Would it help if is. they applauded when you walked in the kitchen? <laughs> I, yes. I'd prefer that, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, I do want to ask you about X Factor because you're pretty candid about that show um, in the book and about, well, bluntly, the dearth of talent out there. You, you went on this show thinking that you were going to discover all these great singers and, and you talk about how record labels now are despairing at, at, at the lack of young musical talent. Is that still something you feel? Um, I don't know if the music industry's uh, despairing at the lack of talent, but 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 there was definitely felt like we'd do like six days of auditions and not find anybody. And of course, we are talking about the top couple of percent in the country yeah. of these. So it was very easy for us. The, the 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 when the talented ones came through, it was just so glaringly obviously that, that they were great. Um, and then there was this massive gap between how great they were and then the next level, which is not very good. And and it used to worry me because, we, you know, you'd be like, you'd done 12 cities and you'd think, have we found anybody yet? We've got to do a... You know, we're going to go on a, for 12 weeks now to Christmas with nobody, you know. So it always... I mean, fortunately, we there was always a, a one or two that were that were great and it and it saves the show that does because people actually tune into those things to watch talent uh, you know some tune in for the drama and the judges or whatever but people i do believe people really want to see talented people up there compare gary the writing of this book with writing a song i mean you've written so many big hit songs, you know what that's like, you know what the structure is, you instinctively feel what a hit song, what a great melody is. Compare that with sitting down and, and writing many, many thousands of words for this. I can't compare it, really. It's like music's been my language forever. Is it a completely different discipline? It's completely different. It's completely different. Because also, I would guess this is more like writing a movie. Uh, it, this is a, it's a long event, this. You know, this is, this is something where, you know, when I'm dealing with three minutes, that to me, that I can understand that. I, I get where I need to be at 30 seconds and that's a short chunk of time. But this is, you know, this is a couple of days for for somebody. It's it's a it's a completely different language. Do you and enjoy the, it? I think so. I think so. I've enjoyed this week talking about it and explaining why. You know, I think you know it's been maybe fifteen years since the last book I wrote. I'd probably be another fifteen before I do another one. Yeah. But 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 it it has been nice, and I also think um, selfishly. It's quite nice for my kids to have this because I, I'd have loved my dad mm. to have written down what he did in his life and I, all I've got is snippets from his brothers and sisters. Um, so nice to keep. Just finally, Gary, uh, right at the end you say 
uh, in, your, in the final few pages, you talk about being more at peace with who you are and yeah. you use the phrase practicing acceptance. Mm-hmm. So could you just explain what you mean by that? So the book finishes with a very optimistic couple of lines, but just explain that. Well, there was a, there was a, a very um, poignant day. I don't want to put this out on a downer, but there was a day when just before my dad's funeral, we got to meet the, the priest who was going to talk about my dad. And, of course, you know, you've read the book, so, you know, you go through a a lot of looking in a mirror. There's a lot of that. Um, And not liking yourself. And so I've been through all these diets and whatever else, all the usual things. Um, And we sat and talked about my dad for 10 minutes. And the one thing that was just... it, It blinded me, actually. But the one thing that came from this chat was how much he liked himself. And I thought, that's rare, (laughs) especially in this modern world where we compare ourselves against everybody else. Um, He was just happy being him. He'd been given this life and he was going to enjoy it, and he did enjoy it. And I took a lot from that, and it really helped me move on to go, this is it, we're living it right now. So, you know, take take the the flaws on the chin, but, but try and enjoy it. Uh, Gary Barlow's book is A Better Me. It's a fascinating uh, read. Gary, really appreciate you coming Thank in. Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Gary uh, for coming in. And I th- I do think people would be surprised at the level. I think it's quite obvious from listening to him quite how honest this yes, book is. Yes, yes. And uh, no one wants a kind of hagiography anymore. No, they don't. I mean, the one thing missing from that interview, of course, was his love for Liverpool Football Club, which is sort oh. of alluded to in the book. But I think I could have dug a little bit more you had, on uh, his You thoughts. had a long chat with him outside did, before we yes, started about yes. Liverpool. And I was quite glad because you <laughs> got it out of your system. Because in, I, I don't think people want to hear that. No, I think they would want he's to hear He's a real fan. He is. And, and his, uh, his uh, son and daughter is uh, elder. The son and daughter are both big Liverpool fans as well, which is nice. Yeah, what a relief we got away with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So the Robbie Williams show is, uh, which he which he did is is available uh, for free on iTunes. Of course, the whole bunch of stuff is free. Dermot O'Leary and Chris Riddell are going to be on our uh, on our next show, which is going to be. For, do we call it a show still? I yes, I mean episode, maybe something like episode. that. I, I do want to talk about a book I've, I've recently read, which I loved. Uh, is a guy called Daniel Gray who did a book a few or a couple of years ago called Saturday Three O'clock, which was. Down, uh, talking about the 50 things he loved about football. And um, and the, the, the title comes from that feeling at Saturday at three o'clock, which football fans get. But his new one is called Black Boots and Football Pinks, and it's about the things that are now missing from football, or the old things that you sort of look back on and go, wasn't that great? And my favourite chapter is about CFAX, watching football on oh, CFAX yes. on page 302. I can still remember the page number. If you were, re- if you were really stressed out about a football result or a match that was ongoing and you wanted to follow it but you didn't want commentary you didn't want to see it on the television that was the most relaxing way to it it was still pretty stressful waiting for the page to refresh and oh my goodness this is like old people talking about the war (laughs) isn't it and then we heard the doodlebugs coming in and then I saw a banana for the first time Hilary Hansel yes or Hansel possibly hello Hilary Uh, I am an LFVS 
I listen, a listener from the very start. Well, that's going to cake off. Just uh, finished listening to yet another five-star podcast with Graham. Five stars! About his second book, The Keeper. As with all of your other recommendations, have downloaded it, looking forward to what sounds like a great read. One of your listeners emailed in to say your podcast was particularly enjoyable by a cosy fireside in Austria. Well, I can confirm that your banter and book chat works brilliantly beside the pool here in glorious Portuguese sunshine. It's so great to hear you two in tow again, even when ailing. We're still ailing a little bit. Yeah, a little, but, you know, kicked it. My, by the way, in the photograph for the last for the last pod with Graham Norton, uh-huh. you're, you're manifestly sweaty. I am! How sweaty, sweaty am I? I? I mean, it's because we'd have to go up like four flights of stairs. Is that what it is? Yeah. Anyway, a couple of recommendations to offer from my holiday, if I may. The Clockmaker's Daughter, the latest one from Kate Morton, following up on uh, following up from Distant Hours, The Forgotten Garden, House, of Riz- House at Riverton and others. Each one beautifully written in evocative and distinctive tones, reeling the reader into a world of nostalgia and mystery with exceptionally described characters. Difficult to put down, especially in the context of holiday reading. And another recommendation, apologies for rubbing in the fabulous weather out here whilst you're all experiencing the onset of autumn and darker nights, which is The Dry by Jane Harper. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, we, uh, yeah. which we did uh, on the old Radio 2 show there. And Jane Harper came in. It was a book yes, club choice. Yes, it? no, very good. Taking us to the relentless arid conditions of a drought in Australia as the backdrop to an excellent thriller. Uh, anyway, that's from Hilary Hansel, enjoying uh, holidaying in the Algarve, but residing in Glasgow the other 50 weeks of the year. Uh, Neil Kavanagh says, Hi, Matt and Simon, I'm loving your podcast at the moment. Really enjoying it when I go about my daily lunchtime pod walk or while shaving every morning. Are we still being sponsored by Harry's Razors? Should I say Harry's Razors? I've said them anyway. So, while you know, shaving. I, sh- I shave with my Harry's Razor whilst reading The Guardian well, and The Economist. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And listening to an Audible download. Yes. And setting up a website on Squarespace. Oh, wait. They still not got in touch. Still not. Still not. Uh, Thanks for doing it and all the work and research you're you're putting in. I love the Ben McIntyre chat recently. Uh, Currently, I'm enjoying John Boyne and Sean Usher. Any chance of an interview with the great Frederick Forsyth? I'm flying through his new thriller, The Fox. It's a great read. I'd love to hear the master storyteller chatting with you guys on your show. Thanks again. Keep podcasting. New fan, soon to be LTL in Dublin. Uh, there's a nice little photograph came in from Joe Boyles. It says, my daughter has started a story and Rebecca no longer has the greatest opening. Go and on. according to this, I think it's called The Chattering Souls. And what this is is a handwritten uh, few lines yes. on, a, on, a, like a, on a school exercise but with a ring binder. Mm-hmm. And the opening line is this. It's kind of like... Mike, how old would that person be, do you think, from the writing about... Yeah, I'm going to say... Eight or nine, Yeah, I'm going to say primary school, yeah. Okay. As the day becomes night, the ghosts start to stir. Some literally start to stir because they are chief ghosts. Chef ghosts. Well, it says chef ghosts. That's the the gag. Oh, okay. Start to stir because it's chef ghosts. Oh, my! Okay. As the day becomes night, the ghosts start to stir. Some literally start to stir because they are chef, <laughs> chef ghosts. ghosts. Chef ghosts. <laughs> because they're stirring, literally. The oh, handwriting. Unbelievable. It could have implied. No, it couldn't. Um, and uh, we got a lot of uh, emails asking for other questions we can ask in the Q&A uh, that we do with authors. And obviously you'll have heard the one we did with Gary Barlow. Uh, Rachel says, what about an ending you'd like to change? A sequel you'd love the challenge of writing? And and also ask, would you consider filming the podcast? Because I'd like to see the authors. Are we going to film the podcast? We're no. not going to film the podcast. No. No. I think it costs too much money. Oh, does it? Mm. Right. Okay. 
Um, and an email from Dr. Donardi Goodluck. Oh, yes, Dr. Donardi. Excellent. Uh, he says, I don't know, is that a guy? Yes, I'm saying Dr. Goodluck. Yes, that's his name. Attention beneficiary. Actually, this is the second time I'm sending you this important letter to this email address of yours. But for the fact that you have not responded till this moment, I wish to inform you that your email appeared among the beneficiaries who will receive the sum of 1.2 million euros compensation. Contact our office secretary. Oh, there we go. With yes. this email. And then there's an email address. Instruct him to send you the ATM card containing your €1,200,000. Well, what a stroke of luck that is. Maybe we don't need the sponsorship <laughs> at all because we'll just get in contact with I, Dr Goodluck. I might do that. Yes? Really? No. Don't think you will. I, I, but how nice of Dr Goodluck to <laughs> yes, get in touch. Get in touch. I mean, sorry for not replying to the first email, Dr Goodluck. I mean, I don't know how that, that, that managed to slip through the But net. if you'd like to just send us the £1.2 I'd send it anyway, yeah. Here, here's what we're going to do. If... Dr. Donardi Goodluck sends us 1.2 million euros. We uh -huh. will film the podcast. Yes! <laughs> OK. We will do a live show and it will be free. It will be free. Do we agree yeah, with this? Yeah, If we yeah. get sent, only under these conditions. Very much the ball is in Dr. Goodluck's court here, isn't it? You know. So I'm just I saying, mean, Dr. Goodluck, you if know. you want a free economist <laughs> and a free, a free guardian... You can have my Harry's razors. There and, you go. And them in. Let's be honest, we could all do with a decent razor. <laughs> you're no different, Dr. Goodluck, unless you're a woman. Yes. In which case, probably not. Probably but anyway, not, yeah. what, we're say what we're saying is, it's over to you. The we would think of the... Joy that you would bring the, yes. your, our downloaders. All if it you're will just, cost. All we need is a million euros. <laughs> yeah. Think of the benefits. Mm. To be honest, Dermot's on the show next week. Dermot Hillary and Chris Riddell. We could ask Dermot for a million. You think? And and what we're going to sweeten that by saying we're going to give you some raises, a copy of the Economist, the Guardian. I think that's all. He and, he's, uh, a good, he's a good yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I might even say something positive about the new Arsenal manager. <laughs> say something nice about his book. Yes. Well, the Arsenal manager. Oh, his book, Dermot's book. Right, yeah. OK, yeah. Anyway, so Dermot O'Leary and Chris Rudell, Heather Morris as well is, uh, is coming up. So many very fine authors. Ian Rankin we're going to do. Oh, can I wait? Anthony I Horowitz so. we're going to do. Hello. The Child we're going to do. Oh, my goodness. They're all coming on. Yes. All so, got big books coming out. Please tell us about the books you're reading, uh, the authors you like to uh, see appearing, and how much money you've been... <laughs> no, no, no. Dr. Goodluck, over to you. 